Let me read to you from 2 Kings, from the widow's olive oil. And if you've been around church for quite a while, you've probably heard this story about 50 times, depending which church you've been around, I guess. If you've been in the faith movement, it is. It says, now one of the wives, chapter 4, verse 1 of 2 Kings, says, now one of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, but a credit has come to take my two sons as slaves. And Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me what you have in the house. And she said, thanks, babe. Makes it easier. Your servant has nothing in the house except for a jar of oil. And then he said, go ask for vessels from all your neighbours. Empty vessels are not just a few. Then go, shut yourself at the door, shut the the door behind you and your sons, and pour the oil into all those vessels. When each is full, set it aside. So she left him and shut the door behind her and her sons, and they kept bringing the vessels to her. And she kept pouring, and when the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. But he said to her, there's not another vessel, and the oil ceased. And then she went and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil, pay your debt, and you and your children can live on the rest. I want to pull just a couple of quick things out of that, you know, First of all, what a naughty of a husband who leaves your wife in that situation. It's not good. But let's not go there. That's not what we're talking about. But seriously, preparation is good. Yeah? How's your insurance? It's a valid question. But I want to talk about the focus of this woman. That she comes to Elisha. And she's in a situation where husband has died, so she's got no income. She's got these two sons, and because she owes a lot of money, the person she owes the money to is coming to say, look, to pay off your debt, I'm going to take your two sons, they're going to become my slaves. They're going to come work for me, and that's how you'll pay off the debt. And so she comes to Elisha in absolute desperation, going, look, I'm about to lose my two sons. And even if I lose them, I've still got no income, I've still got nothing. Because back then, for a woman, that she couldn't go and work like you can nowadays. Society was totally different. The expectation around her wasn't there. And so, Elisa says, what do you have? Now her, her response is, look, I've got nothing except a jar of oil. See, what she sees is the nothing. And picking up on what Dale started talking about today, and you know what she's been blogging the last couple of days, if you read her blog is really what you focus on is powerful. Because what you focus on is what, what you become is where you end up. In every situation, what the devil is trying to do is get your focus off what God has for you and onto the problem. He will cause trouble. He will stir things up. He will make things difficult. He'll put pressure on. He'll do whatever it takes to get your eyes off what God has for you and where God's taking you. That's why it's called faith. Because faith is stepping into what is beyond what you can do. If it's what you can do, then there's no faith, right? Like, it didn't take me any faith to say, hey, we're going to have bacon eggs this morning. Because I knew you had the resources to make all that happen. So there was no faith involved in that. Now, if I said to you that we were going to go and have a banquet at uh, you know, a major hotel and that we were going to pay for everybody to have that banquet and it was just going to be the, the top end, you know, $500 a head type thing, 
that might take a little more faith. Because <laughs> I'd be going, you know what, I could probably do that, but then, you know, I don't know how I'm going to pay the rest of my bills. So that might push, yeah? And she's sitting here and she's focused on what she doesn't have. She's got nothing except a jar of oil. Now we might say, hey, I've got a jar of oil. But no, she saw the nothing. She saw what she didn't have because the pressure around her was so great, the creditor in front of her coming to take her sons, that fear around that was so great that that was all she could see. And then she put, sort of drops it in the end, well, I've got nothing but a jar of oil. And I sort of wonder if the conversation sort of drew out a little bit more and uh, Elisha asked her a couple of questions before she, we got to the point that she had a jar of oil. Because that's not something you really go and walk up. You know, what have you got? Oh, I've got nothing but a jar of oil. It's not really conversation, is it? So she's probably said, I've got nothing. He's going, well, what's this? What's it? Have you got this? So I think there's a conversation around there until she comes and she says the jar of oil, something goes off in Elisha and he goes, that's the key. And so then he gives her a new focus. He takes the focus away from you have nothing to let me give you something to do to focus into what God's going to do. He puts an action in there. And so he says to her, go, get all the empty vessels, get every empty container. You know, nowadays we'd say, go and see all your friends, get their glass jars, get their Tupperware containers, get all their, whatever you can find, get their buckets, anything. Take it back into your house and fill it with every empty container you can get. Heck, go through your neighbor's bins, pull them out, wash them up, whatever it takes, you know. Fill your house with containers. And then as you do that, shut the door behind you. It's really important to shut the door behind you. Whenever you're stepping out of fear into faith, shut that door. Don't let fear back in. Yeah? Whenever you're finding that there's pressure coming in or criticism or difficult times or so on and you're looking to step into faith, you have to shut the door to the fear. You have to shut the door to the negativity. See, if she didn't shut the door, what happens? All the friends stick their head in and go, the neighbour's sticking their head in, what did you want the container for? What's going on? What are you doing? You can't do that. And they bring their fear and negativity. You've got to shut that door. Shut out. The negativity. Shut out the fear. Shut out the criticism. Shut out the pressure. Shut out whatever the devil's throwing at you. Just shut it out. So you can focus on what God has for you. So he says, shut the door and then start pouring the oil. He gave her a new focus. He gave her a fresh vision. He gave her something to take her eyes off the negativity and the fear and the pressure and to look at what she wanted to do what she needed to do to get out of her situation. So she starts pouring the oil and all the containers get full. Right up until they're all done. And the sons say, there's no more containers. So then she comes back to Elisha and Elisha says, sell the oil. I love this. Pay your debt. He didn't just pay the debt, but he says, and you and your children can live on the rest. God didn't just take care of the debt. He took care of the rest of her life. That's God. He's more than enough. But I really want us to focus in on what are you focused on? What's God asking of you? What's the vision? What's the dream? What's in your heart that you want to see happen?
Are you focused on how it's too hard and all the negativity and all the problems? Or are you focused on the possibilities? Are you focused on what you can do to start to make that happen? You might have someone that you want them to come to know Jesus. And it's easy to look at them and go, really, are they ever going to come to know Jesus? Are they ever going to get saved? Is this ever going to happen? Are they ever going to cross over that line? Because you see how they behave, you see what happens in life, and you start praying and they get worse. You start sharing your faith and they go, no, I don't want to know about it, and put it back in your face. And it's easy at those times to see that negativity and that fear and just go, oh, just, it's too hard, it's not going to happen. But this is where you've got to change your focus. This is where the Word of God is powerful and why it's really important to be reading through the Word of God, to be putting it before your eyes, to be speaking it over your life. Because as you do that, you start to confess what needs to happen. And then you need to put actions onto what you're believing for. If you're believing God to do something in your life, let me ask you, what are you doing to make it happen? Because if you're not doing anything, then you're making room for fear to come in and to drag you away and to move your focus. I remember teaching one of my daughters to drive and we were in the Inlu car park, shopping centre car park. And um, this is back before Sunday trading, you know, Sunday afternoon you could actually go and teach kids to drive in a car park because there were no cars. Sunday trading makes that difficult. So, you know, it's harder to teach them how to drive a car. But there's two levels in the Inlu car park. And we were, they were, she was driving from one level down to the next, down this, you know, it was a, Decent wide night double lane ramp. There's lots of room to miss everything around you. And there's a concrete wall on both sides with a, a ledge, thankfully, in front of that. And time after time, we'd go down from one level to the next as part of our circuit of driving around this car park. And she would drive up on the edge, just sort of the wall. I'd sort of drag the steering wheel, pull her back, and we'd go back. And I'm going, what are you doing here? Because she could drive fine. But every time we went down this ramp... She would go up onto this edge. And about the fourth or fifth time I said, where are you looking? She says, I'm looking at the wall so I miss it. And I'm going, there's the problem. As long as you're looking at the wall, you're going to go towards the wall. So when we go down, I want you to look at the bottom. Look at where you're going. But what about the wall? So the wall will still be there. Well, we're going down. We're not going to the wall. And so the next time we went through, it's look, look down, look down all the time. Look down, look down. An amazing thing happened. We went straight down. Because you see, where you focus and where you look is where you end up. If you don't like where you've ended up, then stop looking where you're looking. Because if you keep looking at the problem, you keep looking at the circumstances, you keep looking at the fear, you keep looking at the issues in front of you, then you end up in that place and it paralyzes you and you come to the wall and you have to stop. But if you look at the possibilities, you know, I mean, we're you know, talking about moving and we're working through that process of finding the right place and, and how that all means and, you know, I mean, it's not a quick process for us because we're looking at what we need to look at. And some weeks it's like, I just don't want to go look at any more houses, I don't want to look at any more properties, I don't want to see what's out there. But we've got Isaac. And Isaac loves looking at houses. Like, <laughs> even if we weren't, even if we weren't, I mean, I remember the times when we weren't, you know, five years ago we were even looking at a new house 
here and Chantal at that stage would go, let's go look at display homes. And they would love going and looking through display homes. Because before we bought this, we would go and look at display homes and, you know, where we're going to build, we're going to buy, we're, you know, looking at options and finding things you like or getting new ideas. We're renovating the kitchen, so you go and look at display homes in different kitchens because it gives you ideas of what you want. And so he is like, on a Friday now, he actually, I showed him how to do it once and it was the biggest mistake I made, I think. <laughs> but he's worked out how to go onto the websites and work out what homes are open and how to put the filters in to get the right areas and which, you know, what's open on a Saturday. Because a lot of them are Sunday and last thing I do on Sunday is go look at homes. So he'll go through and print off the ones open on a Saturday in the right area that meet the criteria for us to go and look at. And it's sort of like some days it's just like, I just don't have time for this. I don't have the energy or whatever it is to go and do this. But he keeps us focused. You know what I mean? And, yeah, we saw one yesterday and, you know, what do you describe it as? Functional. Isn't that how we called it, Dale? It, it, it's one of those places that actually had everything we wanted, but it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty. You know what I mean? Um, and a couple of the buildings were, because it's a bigger block, were in the wrong location for what we needed. You know what I mean? But what it did show us was this is some of the stuff that we need and here's a couple of things we hadn't thought of and ways of achieving things that they'd done it for what we want. So that if we find something that's close to it, then we can add those things into to make that happen. And see, it goes from this is hard, this is difficult, how the heck are we going to do this, to actually, you know what, there's ways of achieving this. There's shortcuts you can take, there's ways you can step through into this that make it possible. And it helps to renew that focus. So as annoying as he can be, let's go look at houses, it's actually a good process because it keeps us looking forward to where we need to be and to what we can do and to what God does and it starts to open the way for God to do things. It starts to build faith and possibility when you focus in on that. But see, if you sit back in your home and you look at the issue and you look at the problem and you, know, you go through your mortgage calculator or whatever it is you're looking at and thinking, I don't know if I can do this and you never step out and actually put action somewhere onto your vision. You know, if you want a new car, remember when God said to me, you know, we had a car, it broke it down. I've told the story many times, but you know, God said, I'm going to fix the car and I want you to give it away as seed and I want you to believe me for a new car. And he said, ask for what you want. So you know what? I had to go and look at cars to work out what I wanted because I had an idea. I had to go and drive some. And I remember driving a car and going, actually, this isn't what I want. But if I'd asked for that, and put my faith to that, I would have ended up with the wrong car. But by going out and by driving and, and experiencing, I found the car that we liked. But then there was still a gap between when we gave our car away and when we received our new car. And in that gap, you know, we had to get on buses and bus them from here to, to Vic Park to school and back again twice a day, you know, there and back once a day, you know, but it's taking the kids up and then coming back home going to work, then going back up on the bus, pick him up again, come back here. There was no train then, so it was lots of fun, yes. But part of that process is I used to stop at car yards occasionally and go and see the car that we want 
had a picture of the car up on the wall. You jump on the internet and look at places that were selling that car. Because it kept my faith growing. Because at that time we did not have the money to buy a car. But then God made a way through that as we kept putting proactive faith onto it, as we kept stepping, and there's times I just did not want to do that. It's like this is hard, this is difficult. And the pressure of life starts to push in and people start to make comments and people who know what you're believing for, that's why you be careful what you share, what you're believing for. You know, they start to niggle and make little, really, is it ever going to happen? You know, blah, 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 blah. Why don't you just, why don't you just... And it's like, no, I've got to keep pushing back in to faith. And I remember walking into cards and going in and sitting in the car and it's like, oh, this is so good. I've never sold that car. It was such a good car. You move on. You've got to keep moving on. But you've got to put action to your faith. Otherwise, life will beat you down and you will settle. And you'll let go of what God has for you and you'll never see the breakthrough. You want to talk? Yeah, I just want to share because sometimes... sometimes... Thank you, dear. Um, sometimes when we're doing this, we can get a disappointment and that disappointment can kind of hit us so hard. We think, no, nah, it's just too hard to put that in front of us, what we're believing for. Before Anna was born, um, I fell pregnant and we lost that baby. At, um, I was three, three months pregnant. And um, mum came and visited me and she took me out and said, we're going to go and get some baby booties. And back then it was like these little pink fluffy booties, like, you know, you could buy them and they're just you know, tiny little things. And I just miscarried. And you would think that was the last thing I would want to do but it was like a word from God really it was like put out in front of you what you're believing for again and you have to make a decision when it comes to walking with God of whether you're going to hold on to the hurt and the disappointment or you're going to go okay I'm going to believe that God can do something here and so it was a choice we had to make of whether I would just go no nah, it's too hard it's too complicated I'm too afraid I'm too hurt or go, no, I'm going to reach out and grab hold of the possibility that God can give us a healthy baby. And even with Anna, I had complications. I had to go to bed and rest with her. I bled the same and all sorts of things. And I had to just hold on to that promise that I was going to be the mother of children. And it's like, but it's a choice you make when you've been, you, can, you know, it's not always straightforward, the faith road. Sometimes it's really, really hard. But it's, we make a choice in the middle of the hard stuff. Will we hold on to the disappointment and the hurt? Or will we let God in and then listen? Because he will always say, look ahead. Look ahead and give us something to grab hold of. Give us something to encourage us. Yeah? Thanks. Go for it. Biblical principles work all the time, you know. Interesting thought, when people aren't walking with God, I often think they actually don't reject God, they actually reject what he's asking them to do. 
you know. It's a bit like Jonah. Jonah never rejected God. He just rejected what God asked him to do. You know, because when it came to the storm, it wasn't like God's not here. It's like, yeah, God's here. You know, um, it was just they often reject what actually God's called them to do and they run away from that. So something to think about. Let me finish with a story I heard this week. Actually, Joel Olstein was telling about his brother-in-law and his brother-in-law, I, th- I think it's Caltech, but I'm not sure. Um, but his, his brother-in-law is very passionate about his NFL footy team. Um, and he says he's watching this game and, and his team's up there and said it got down to the last, like, the last play and they, needed, they were one point behind. And, um, and he says he's watching it, watching it, and the quarterback throws the ball, and the pass is incomplete, it all fails, the game's over. And he was like so, just so ropeable. And, and this, he's so passionate about his team, he's got a collection on, on his, you know, he's recorded a whole collection of all these games, and he keeps them and loves to go, go back and watch them. And he's like, oh, we lost, we lost. He was so frustrated, he turned the TV off, he actually deleted the recording because it was like, you know, we should have won that. It was this fantastic game and stormed off. And he actually went out and did some gardening. And it's about half an hour later, he, his phone went off and he picked it up and it was one of his friends going, this is the best game ever, isn't this awesome? And he's like, I oh, must be watching a delayed recording. He said, and then another of his friends went through and went, this game's awesome. He's going, what's going on? So he actually went back in and turned the TV back on. And what had happened was, um, now see, in, in NFL, if you... If, you touch the, if your knee touches the ground while you've got the ball, then play stops and you have to start again. All right? And what happened with his quarterback is just before he threw it, his knee touched the ground. So his throw that became an incomplete play didn't count. What counted was his knee touching the ground first. So they actually reset it and they were able to score a point out of the next play and so scores were tied. It actually went to seven overtimes. So they played another like 45 minutes of this game and it was one of the most awesome games of all time and he walked up, he turned on about the seventh play and they actually won and, you know, big celebration. He's going, I missed probably the biggest 45 minutes of football for my team ever. I've deleted this whole recording because I was too quick to turn it off. He said, like, the point of, he turned it off because they, the play was incomplete. The opposite team actually you know, grabbed the Gatorade, poured it over the other coach and was celebrating before they, they heard the umpire call it back. And so he turned it off at that point and missed the rest of the game. And that's how it is with God. You can look at it and go, there is no way this can happen now. It's over. It's finished. It's done. It, it looks impossible. The game's over. It's done. But it's never over with God. The game is never over with God. And I think too often we miss out on what God has because the enemy has us fooled into thinking he's won. He's pouring the Gatorade on. It's all over. It's done. You can't do anything about that. But you need to stay in faith. I mean, I'm sure Daniel felt like that when he was in the lion's den. You know, I know the king did. You know, they grabbed him and threw him in the den. You'd go, that's game over. He's dead. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were in the fire. I mean, the guys who threw them in died. It was so hot. So you've got to sort of go, that's game over. But with Jesus, it's never game over. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. But it's like 
God does have the final say. And too often I think we miss what God wants to do because we don't stay in faith. We give up and let go and the devil gets to take the victory but the umpire hasn't called the last. And you've got to understand, the father is the umpire. He's the judge. He gets the final call. So it may look like it can't happen. It may look like it's impossible. I mean, I'm sitting here, I'm seriously thinking these stories are rolling through my head of not just us but other people where things have happened. I remember Jesse DePlanis talking about he was this land opposite his building and he felt God say to him, that's where I want you to put your new headquarters. And he's going, okay. And he's, you know, someone else bought it before he could get to it. And they started actually building on the site. And he said he could have stopped, oh, someone else has got it, it's all over. But he didn't. He went, no, God, that's my land. He said that company went bankrupt. Someone else bought it out of a deal. And they built a bit further on, then that company went bankrupt. It happened three times. Until eventually the council actually came to him because you know, they defaulted on their, went bankrupt, defaulted on their rates. Council took possession of the building. And they actually came to him and said, you're the only person out in this location that seems to be able to sustain a business and keep running. We, would you like this land? Tell us how much you want to pay for it. And he said, this land, they'd paid millions of dollars for it. He says, I'll pay $100,000 for it. And they went, sold, done. They came, what do you want to pay? And God said to him, what do you want to pay? He said, I want to pay this. I think this is a fair price. And he said, they've already started building. Thank you very much. Finish the building. You see, God has a way through the impossible. But I'm saying to you, don't let go. But what you focus on is the end result. What are you looking at? Are you looking at the storm? Are you looking at the pressure? Are you looking at the pain? Are you looking at what other people are saying? Are you looking at what looks like it's going to happen? Or are you focused in on what God wants to do and put an action on it? Just like this woman, she had to go and do something. Just like us, we have to, you know, follow Zach out the door and go and look at places that sometimes you know just aren't right. But the act of going and looking actually creates faith. I thought, when I look at this place yesterday, I thought this is going to be the last place. It's absolutely terrible. It's actually pretty close. You've got to put faith on your action. Faith, action on your faith. Get it around the right way. You need to step out and act. What are you doing? Because if you sit back and just let Satan keep coming and putting that pressure on, you'll lose it. You'll miss out on what he has for you. And you'll miss that blessing. Yep. Father, I want to bless you. I want to thank you for your goodness. Just come back to whatever you've been believing in God for. Just step back into that place. Things that maybe you're letting go of or the pressure is, is on and you can't see a way through. We ask God to show you one thing that you can do. What's one thing you can do towards making that happen? It doesn't matter how small it is. You know, for us it was as simple as getting in the car, driving down the road and looking at a house. What is one thing you can do that will take you on that road towards faith, to what you're believing for?
and then make that commitment to actually go and do it and to keep doing it. Yeah, this woman had to keep going and collecting containers until she had her house full. She had to keep pouring until everything was full, until she'd finished her miracle. Yeah, the Bible says do not become weary in doing good because at the proper time you'll reap a harvest if you do not give up. So don't become weary. Don't give up. What can you do? No matter how small it is, do what you can do. And believe God to do the rest. And often when you do one thing, it leads to the next thing and leads to the next thing. And next thing you know, your miracles arrived. We want to bless you, Father, honour you in Jesus' name. Amen.